1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. So this is the uh, first episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Miller, here with my uh, esteemed co-host, John Borsma. <clears throat> and so, um, I guess to get started, we're just going to talk a little bit about who we are, and I guess kind of what we have planned for the year, and, and kind of what we're thinking about doing uh, with this whole podcasting thing. Uh, John and I talked, I don't know, six months or so ago, right here in this garage, drinking some beers about all the podcasts that we listen to and all the conversations that we have um, about bow hunting and basically consumes our lives much probably like anybody that's listening. So um, we thought we'd throw our hat in the game and give a, give a run at it. Yeah. That's uh there's just so many out there, you know, listen to it all the time and you know, figure we'd, uh, Give a shot at it. There's the dog barking. But <clears throat> yeah, this one's going to be a little bit raw. It's our first uh, first attempt, but uh, we're going to try and make it at least the uh, the quality of the audio something that you can listen to, uh, even if Wilbur wants to join in uh, every once in a while. Yeah, he wants to out here because of that that deer hanging. <laughs> yeah, John just killed a deer on the second to last day of the season. Uh, shot a doe get some meat in the freezer and i had aspirations of having this great season i took a lot of time off hunted a lot of days and uh ended up shooting one doe that uh, the coyotes got to uh, after we let it lay so that was unfortunate had some really good encounters and learned a lot um, but i think i learned a lot more about what i need to do better um, last year I didn't have hardly any success. Uh, you know, I, I got a 
two-year-old, so having a, <laughs> a toddler and, and time and trying to get out. And I, I tried to make the most of the time that I had, but I think I'm spending my time inappropriately. I think I need to spend a lot more time scouting, a lot less time going to the exact same spot and expecting something different. Right. Um, and that's what I did this year. Um, and I, I started to try some, some new tactics um, as the year went on. So kind of like hunting while I'm scouting or scouting while I'm hunting and, and that, and that, that eats up a lot of hunting time. Yeah, you kind of, you're kind of behind the eight ball on that. When you start, I did the same thing last year. You know, we didn't had all kinds of, you know, hopes and dreams of getting out scouting early and doing it all year. And then of course, didn't get out there. And then the season starts and, you know, actually it was, mine was a little different because I was trying to hunt for Jet, my son. So I was trying to get him out there. He's 14 now. So, and get him into a, a spot where he could, you know, have a decent shot, but it kind of not really backfired, but it just didn't give me many opportunities. I, mean, I could have shot an eight point. He was, he come in 11 yards, but Jet was just a hundred yards away from me. So I didn't want to shoot him and knowing that he was in the area because where we're at that's the man or the uh, qdm so it's got to have three points on one side or better yeah and and understand here we're one of the things about this podcast and about our style of hunting is that um we're hunting in west michigan um so anything that you see on tv or you might I, i think this is more of like your absolute regular guy hunting because there is no ag there there is no um you know oh well we'll just go to our farm with the food plots and in our stands and our high rises and all of our feeders um you know i i have access to um, 240 acres of of private land that is eight hours away right um and so that's where i grew up hunting and i will use the term hunting loosely and i think you know until uh, so john is my wife's cousin and uh, until i met their family my hunting was go to our property which at the time had the highest deer density as far as uh does uh, and our buck doe ratio was really messed up but it had the highest amount of doe permits uh, in the state of michigan and so you did not have to hunt at all and at the time we didn't bow hunt and we didn't nearly bow hunt anything like we do today. And so it was go sit in the woods for an hour with a high-powered rifle, shoot a deer, and that was hunting. There right. was no scouting. There was no, there was no early season anything. There was no, there was no preparation. Right. <clears throat> and, and so now, you know, where we're, we're hunting, there's a fair amount of public land, but, the amount of hunting pressure is right, absurd. A, there's a ton of, you know, it's Manistee National Forest, and there's just a ton of hunters. I mean, you know, everywhere you go, it, it seems like it, it gets frustrating. I mean, that was one of the things this year I was frustrated with. Of course, I'm like I said, getting started late, scouting during season, going to all the old spots, and it's like walk along, oh, yep, there's a tree stand, there's a tree stand, there's oh, there's a bait pile. That's a whole other thing is the bait pile, you know, or baiting. I've never, that was one thing that we grew up, a lot of guys, like my best friend, Jason, you know, those guys grew up and they were just, it was literally go, go over to Grant, load up a truck of, you know, carrots and go 
drive it out to the woods. And if they couldn't get the truck to the bait pile, they'd throw it on a tarp and drag it out. And we, my dad and, you know, my family, we never, we never baited. And we also couldn't kill does. So that was one of the things. It was kill all the bucks. You know, oh, it's spike horn, it's good to go. But, I mean, that, so we were kind of lopsided, you know, on that. Well, w once I started hunting with um, uh, John's Uncle Frank, my father-in-law, and we're definitely going to have him on here because he is <laughs> a, garbage a, man. a riot. Uh, yeah, Tales of the Garbage Man is going to be a, a, a big part of this podcast, I think. But, um, yeah, so hunting with him, there was no bait. There was, you know, they don't shoot does. And it was, you know, we're going out. And after every single hunt, we drove around and we scouted and we scouted and we scouted. And I took all of that for granted. You know, I just thought, man, this is, you know, a lot of <laughs> dinking around for, <laughs> you know, for what? You know, because we never went back and hunted those spots. I, maybe we didn't find the sign that we were looking for or he was looking for or whatever. But it was just something that we did. And I never even, it, it wasn't on my radar because that's not the way that I had ever hunted. And then as the years went on, you know, one of the things that sticks in my mind that Frank said is, uh, well, maybe you just got to get a couple under your belt. And that's when he started shooting does because, man, I had a heck of a time. I passed on so many deer, so many does. Before I shot my first deer with a bow, it it took 10 years easy. I missed them at this distance, and I, you know, let them walk by and, you know, made poor shot choices just because of, inexperience and so you know that was one thing that stuck with me was you know maybe you just got to get a couple under your belt and i think as the years go on and if you if you wait for that perfect opportunity for that you know wall hanger buck or, or whatever then you kind of get out of practice and you get at least for me like i get so amped up like even you know drawing my bow back on a deer a doe or whatever and i think that that's what does it for me about bow hunting is that like if you know, they say if you don't feel that way, then you shouldn't be hunting. But, I mean, man, it's like every single time that I'm every – every deer that I see, I feel like I can kill with a rifle. And it doesn't right. do well, anything that, for me. Yeah, that was – like when we started hunting, you know, I've been hunting since I – I mean, 12 years old with a bow and then gun hunting when I was 14. And the gun hunting thing back then was, you know, it was we'd just go up. And at that point, my dad was so tied up uh, with my brother playing hockey that I was just kind of on my own. Uh, the first year I went up, we went to the UP. They used to go to the UP every year for a gun season. Had a big, you know, camp and stuff. So the first year when I turned 14, we went up there, and the weather was terrible, so we ended up coming back. We hunted in free soil out of a uh, friend's cabin and stuff. Well, then the next three years, out of luck, I went with my uncle the first year, and actually, it was the first year I just went out behind my house on right here in, you know, Muskegon. And, and <clears throat> it was a snow day. I walked out, or my dad was supposed to go with, and got in the car, drove out there. And uh, it was so snowy that I couldn't even find where my tree was. So I just sat down and got daylight. And a few minutes go by, and a buck comes running by, and I draw the gun up, boom, shot it. Got it. Six point. Next year, that's when I went up to Wall Hollow with my uncles. And actually, it was ended up being one of my dad's old spots that he showed those guys. And uh, same thing. I was supposed to sit in my cousin's blind and 
there was already someone in it. So I just walked across and sat down just trying to get out of the way of that guy. And bucks come running in off to my left. I shoot one eight point, you know, seen it, shot it. The next year I was out behind my dad's house again. And we had been seeing this buck. My dad actually, it was when he had been seen bow hunting. And uh, I go out there and actually it was a night that uh, we were supposed to, I had, I was playing hockey and he was my coach. So he was down at the, the arena doing the draft. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to round back. And I sat right at the bottom of this tree, right before dark, 10 point comes walking out, boom, shot it. So three years, three deer, three shots. And that, at that point it was like, you know, I didn't do anything to earn that. And here's something I wanted to like, uh, I guess address is that's the way that I always grew up too. But in this day and age, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, and I'm talking, what I'm talking about is, you know, you've said eight point, six point, ten point, right. And these are, these are Michigan deer and everything now because of social media and everything is, oh. is it 130 class? Is it, right. you know, and these aren't no, the, not, you know, they're the, the eight point was nice. It was a decent buck. It was a, uh, I think it was 17 half inch uh, inside spread. And I got it mounted. And then the 10 point, that was really nice. It's got like 11 inch G2s. It's, you know, it's scored decent, you know, but, but yeah, they're no, they're not like Iowa bucks or. What but, I just mean in the way that you're explaining right. is the same, you know. But they were, they were trophies here. You know, I mean, that was, it was like, holy cow, when I killed the 10 point, you know, we had seen him like all summer, really. We'd, you know, there was actually another one we, we said there was twins, and we seen them shining and stuff, and, but I ended up, you know, getting lucky and killing it. So then after that, you know, I was still into bow hunting. I mean, I loved bow hunting, but it was like, it's way easier to go out with a rifle. I see it, I could shoot it, you know. So then after I got some, you know, bucks under my belt, then I was like, all right, I'm going to go out and kill them with my bow. So after that, that was like the last time, the last year, when after I killed that 10 point, I didn't gun hunt again until jet was like 12 and that wasn't even so that was what 25 years 20 years you know but more than that i think i've probably went out with the rifle maybe 20 times in the last 10 years maybe um and i think the the last time and the reason that i don't go up and hunt our property in the up anymore is i took all this information that I've learned bow hunting and I mean this that particular year I had sat you know 25 sits at least before the opener and I get up there and it's the typical Michigan deer camp with all of these guys that just want to sit in the shack with their heater and right you know same it's just like this it's the same thing and but but I went and I sat and I told them where I was going to go and they said you can't you can't go there. Nobody ever sees any deer there. That's not going to be a good spot. And in the first 30 minutes, I had seen three bucks. And one of them, we have a, a four-on-one-side rule or three-on-one-side at the time. And uh, this was before any of the antler point restrictions, but right. that's what we were doing. And this ugly mutant buck comes <laughs> in, but it had, you know, a ton of points. And, again, this is Michigan. doesn't matter what it scores. Does it have the uh, – appropriate amount of points and uh it was just wasn't what i was hunting nobody else saw a deer that day 
and they basically called me a liar and said, why didn't you shoot it? <laughs> and then the last day, same same story, I ended up shooting a doe, and uh, there was a, I don't know, 15, 16-inch buck that had points, and it, it was chased, you know, they stopped, and I didn't have time to count the points, so I shot the doe for meat, and... You know, again, they said, oh, you're lying. I would have <laughs> shot it. Like, and I was like, I, you know what? I'm done. Because that's not, that's not sportsmanship. That's not the kind of hunting that I want to do. Right. You know, I don't want to be subjected to that. That's the good old boys club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I guess fast forward to where we're at now. And, um, I mean, if if you're watching this, you know, we're videoing it all. So, um, <laughs> you know, John's got his archery shop set up here. He's <laughs> rebuilt that bow at least once now. <laughs> he built his own string. Um, he, he tunes all my bows and uh, my brother's bows, all my family's bows, builds their arrows, um, and you're doing it all yourself. Well, that was, I've always, you know, that was one thing. My dad was always into archery. He used to, before they had, you know, factory camel bows, my dad would paint all the bows in, you know, West Michigan. They would come through. Our local shop was called Angler Archer, and, you know, they guys would go and buy a bright, shiny bow, and they're, you know, they'd add 20 bucks. You want it camoed up? So then my dad would go down and pick up a whole load of bows, bring them back to the house, and he'd paint them out in the shed, cam them all up, and use. I remember as a kid, I'd cut out, we'd get all the old, like, outdoor magazines and take an X-Acto knife and cut out all the deer silhouettes and does and stuff like that, and that's what he would use for, the camel, we'd do a black base and then go over it with gray or green or brown. But, uh, so I've always been involved in it. And he was at, you know, he was part of the Bowman's Club and he shot Target and Frank shot Target, Uncle Frank. And so I've always had the access to the equipment and stuff. We had a, the old Joe Jan half dozen Fletcher. Actually, I think it's still down here in the box. And so I've always built my own arrows for me, you know. My buddies and shit. Excuse my language. But. So when you started out um, with, like, your first bow or whatever, was it brand new or was it your dad's old bow? Or? Well, well, I started out, like, actually, here's <laughs> my first bow. I remember this because my mom tells a story about it all the time. was just the old red fiberglass kid bow. And it's almost like the Christmas story where you shoot your eye out. My dad said, you know, Whatever you do, don't shoot at anything hard, or, you know, because the arrow can bounce back. I'm like, yeah, oh, whatever. I remember <laughs> I go out. My dad wasn't home. My mom was there. And I'm like, Mom, can I go out and shoot my bow? Sure. So I go out in the backyard, and I'm shooting at stuff, and there's this old football. And it was one of the ones, that, that, like the hard rubber that didn't even take air. And I I draw back, and I shoot that thing. And it must have only been maybe 10 yards, but that, that arrow hit it. And it, it bounced and came all the way back, and the, the knock hit me right directly above my right eye. I mean, I had a perfect, you know, looked like a little tiny snake bite right in the crease of my eye and eyelid. And it was like, oh, my God. My mom comes screaming out, jumping out the back door, you know. But, but yeah, so that was my first bow. But then, yeah, we progressively... I ended up, I think I had like an old PSE Pulsar or something. I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, we started out and my dad was like, you know, you get a bow, you just got to shoot the bale. You know, all I had was just a flipper rest on it. 
no sights or anything like that, just a basic old compound. And then once I got good with that, then he's like, all right, well, we'll put a single pin. And back then it was just a bracket with this little mm -hmm. brass pin, you know, and you dipped the, the, the head of it in some red, you know, fingernail polish or white or whatever. And then just, you know, got good with that. Fingers, and then finally got to a release and, you know, so. I don't think I shot a release until I met Frank. I didn't even, like, the, the John's family and, and my, my in-laws, like, my father-in-law's garage is, like, Cabela's. And I say, like, my father-in-law's, like, Grizzly Adams. Like, it's <laughs> like, I mean, the guy's killed everything, seen everything, done everything. Work, he worked at the sport shop for years and years yep. and years. And, uh, I mean, unknowingly, I know he's sold me archery equipment or he was the guy <laughs> down there you know when we were going into the the local sports shop there but i've always been i i guess the word is frugal but i also think that along with that is was naive because and one of the things i don't understand is my dad bow hunted but it was never I mean, he would only go up to our cabin and bow hunt. He didn't really bow hunt around right. locally that I ever knew of. But he had, like, the first compound or one of the first compounds that ever came out, this, like, four-wheeled herders <laughs> bow. I mean, it was, like, literally the, one of the first ones in the magazine, and he ordered it, and it was, like, the most dangerous thing. <laughs> and he hunted with it forever, and he'd bring home a deer, you know, every once and again. But I think back in the 80s that was more common it was like bow hunting wasn't big and people weren't all that successful at yeah, least well, around here I mean. my dad like always bowing he, he killed a lot i remember going down my garage this is before so we we lived here in michigan and then we moved down to florida in like 82 because the job market dried up so i mean we lived down there for like three years but i remember before we moved to florida we had this old train table in the basement, and we there was a big box. Or actually, there was a couple big boxes. I'd pull out the box, and it was nothing but horns. I mean, literally just racks. And, you know, he killed a lot with his gun, but he he killed a ton of deer with his bow. Well, that was the conversation when I met my wife. I went over there, and I walked in, and it was like the scene from Ace Ventura, like where you walk in, and it's like, what a lovely room of death you have. <laughs> And, uh, this is a Frank's, Frank's house. house yeah. yeah, and uh, he comes down being the big dad, you know. Hey, <laughs> and I said, "Do you kill all these?" He says, "Yeah, most of them." I said, "With a gun or a bow?" He says, uh, "Mostly a bow." He says, "You hunt?" I said, "Yeah, we got 240 acres in the UP." He says, like, "Son, welcome to the family. <laughs> come on over." <laughs> so, yeah, but but John is real gear centric so everything has to be just so yeah i'm a little bit anal on my i like to tinker with stuff well but it always has to be the this specific one like for right, me yeah. i want to try everything and so i want to say oh this looks cool oh let's try that like yeah. that and uh i think one of the things especially if you're new to hunting and you have an older bow or if you've been clinging to this bow for 10 years or something like that i will implore you to shoot a new bow i had a a, a pse 
sprint or maybe the predecessor is like my first bow when I was 12 years old. And I had that bow forever. And I was at our cabin in the UP and I had set the stand in the morning and I'd seen some deer. So the following morning, the last day, there was, uh, I just moved and I was hunting with a climber, climbed up a tree where I'd seen those deer come through. And those deer came through right about the same place, but they were, there was another deer behind them. So I waited and I saw the biggest buck I'd ever seen up there, you know, and it was probably 125 inch eight point or whatever by today's standards. But, you know, at the time it was just a giant buck and, uh, it was at about 35 yards, like sun beating down on it, looking around. And I did not have the confidence in my bow, my equipment, (laughs) any of that to make that shot. And it's something that haunted me. Well, the next year I bought a brand new bow and it was like going from, uh, uh, I don't know, a Yugo to like a Ferrari. <laughs> and I didn't buy the highest end bow. Uh, you know, I bought, that was when, uh, Hoyt had the reflex line come out and it was like one of the first years of that. And, uh, it was the, the year that they had started off with it the goofy riser oh, and I, yeah. I bought the growler because it didn't have the goofy riser. Cause I was like, what in the world is, <laughs> is that all about? Um, so I shot that bow for a long time and then bought, uh, another bow that was a, just a off the shelf Cabela's bear. And, uh, that bow had all the same specs as the Matthews helium that my father-in-law just bought. And I killed the biggest buck of my life with that bow. After Ohio. after I dry fired it <laughs> and <laughs> took it to the shop and and nothing was wrong with it so um, I got really lucky there but you know and then I've I've moved up and we started shoot uh, I started shooting leagues last year we we're just shooting a uh, small game non sanctioned you know just yeah just, just to get c- you shooting silhouettes and uh, we had our first first meet round last night whatever yeah yeah right. we shot last night that's Shoot for our averaged. So. Yep. And I shot infinitely better just by upgrading my sight, I think. I mean, and I shot a lot more. Well, that and you, you got a different bow now. Yeah, I got, a, I got yeah. another bow. Last but I, I don't think the bow – I mean, I could outshoot that bow last year, I think, but I think the sight and everything had more to do with that. Yeah. And once I got the, the new bow and I'm shooting the um, – I'm shooting a Bear Arena 34 with uh, the Optimizer Kingpin Light. And I got that set up because we were doing the total archery challenge last year. And, you know, to shoot with the other guys who I would say are maybe on another level of shooting than I am. They're much better shots, at least in this indoor league, shooting spots and and everything. They struggled and struggled with those those long shots. And I think a lot of it was equipment based, you know, because they weren't shooting the site and they weren't confident in their equipment. They They'd never shot anywhere near that distance before right. they went out there. And we're talking, uh, what was the shortest shot? It had to have been 35 yards maybe? Yeah, like on the uh, local course, I think there was some, there might have been a 25, but most of those were, I think that went 25 to 55 maybe. But yeah, the first. Well, so yeah, so John uh, and all the guys that we hunt with and, and shoot in this league with had gone up for the entire weekend, and I only made it for Saturday. Right. So they had shot a, a bunch. You guys shot every one of the courses that they offered, right? Yeah. In the end, yeah, we shot. Th- there was the three courses. There was the local course, the prime, which was the big one, 
um, in the mountain ops, I think. There was a Sitka. A sit- Sitka. The Sitka was like added into the prime, prime. course. So, <clears throat> yeah, that, we ended up shooting all those. But you shot the Sitka with us. Yep. That was the day we shot the prime. That was the big, that was like a four and a half mile loop. Yeah, that, so that's another one of the things that we're going to do this year. Is right. uh, We're going to go shoot. At least the one in uh, us being in Michigan, we're real fortunate that they have one uh, at Boyne Mountain. Right. And uh, that's about maybe a three-hour drive from here. Yeah. So I don't think it's, you know, if, if I could pick one, I'd want to go to the one at Snowbird or. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I've been trying to, uh, I'd like to make it to the one in Montana. You have ulterior motives, though. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I draw a tag for uh montana this year so but we were just out there in uh well august we went out and we have a buddy that lives out there right in bozeman so just unreal i've never been out there i mean i've been to montana before i went and drove through it but staying out there and you know we were out there for like 10 days it's amazing amazing country the animals yeah that that total archery challenge we you're shooting targets from, I guess, 25. I think when I shot it was 35, but out to 120. Yeah, 120. The I think that was the buffalo was at 120 yards. Yep. And so. And it was like nothing I ever expected. I mean, there was a lot of people, and I think we got held up. And we did shoot the Sitka course inside of the prime, the big course. But. We left from our condo and walked onto the course as soon as it opened because they hadn't shot a couple of targets yeah, the we, day before. And that was at 9.30. We went, shot the last three or four targets, spent a half hour on the practice range, right. took the ski lift up, and got done. I got back to my car at 5.30 in the evening. And right. There was no food. There was water at each of the stations. But and you're just walking, and it was you said a four and a half mile loop. Yeah, I was like, but it's and it's all elevation. I mean, up down the Sitka course was really, that was all that was you know, supposed to, you know, emanate or whatever the, out mountain hunting the goats. So yeah, that one, that was definitely. Yeah, but I think elevation is also relative because I think if you go out to Montana, right, it's good, exactly, it's going to be a little bit. Yeah, different. yeah. So. But yeah, it's. It was a lot of fun. I mean, but it, it definitely took its toll. Yeah. But another one of the things that we've got coming up this year, and it's really exciting and kind of like just kind of fell into our lap. Rare is that we're going to be going to ATA, and so we had been talking about doing this, you know, for, for six months or so, and it's like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about <laughs> this stuff? And then uh, never read them. You know, I get you get the thing in the mail from the Bowman's Club, and it's just right. you know, this person you know did this, and that person did that, and we need help fixing the roof and that. Right. But for whatever reason, that day I read it, and it said, "Oh, you know, the ATA opened up you know some spots to some of the smaller clubs, and we become a member, and we've got tickets if anybody wants them." You're kidding me, <laughs> right? Right. So. I, I texted John and I said, did you read the thing? Do you you want to go to ATA? And he's like, what? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I was actually at the Bowman's Club that night w- doing the worker bees. We were uh, replacing some of the targets. And all of a sudden you sent me that message. I'm like, hey, wh- do I want to go to ATA? 
hell yeah i've been trying to figure out a way to go you know i'm like but you got to be an archery shop or something paid you know and so yeah so russ the president was there and i ended up like hey you got tickets to the ata and he's like yeah you want to go i'm like well hell yeah i want to go so we ended up getting they had two tickets left and then so i pretty much reserved them for adam and i and then then i talked to frank and He's like, well, yeah, I'd like to go. So I ended up getting a hold of Russ, and uh, they uh, set up another ticket for us. And so we're going to go down and, you know, scope it all out, hopefully get to meet some some of our uh, – I'm a huge John Dudley fan and Cam Haynes. So as you can tell, I mean, my bow is nothing but knock-on, and uh, I don't have my Cam Haynes hat on right I now. I do. Yeah, <laughs> my mine is looks kind of like his. It's full of salt from working out in, but nothing like the, he's a freaking beast. But but yeah, so we get to go to ATA. We're gonna we're gonna go look at some stuff, and maybe there's some things that we can do for our club too, and then come back and give those guys a report. Yeah, I was reading uh, at least. Uh, I'm the, these guys don't have email i won't give out john's email because it's <laughs> it's really nice uh, it's a re- it's a really nice email oh yeah um but uh, but yeah so i'm the contact for that so i i've been getting all the emails from ata and and all the updates and there's some things in there about becoming instructors and um and stuff so i think there's a lot of stuff and i think i read that this year what they did is they opened it up to a, a lot of the smaller clubs to try and help out with some of that stuff right um so I think there are going to be some programs that um, they probably would like us to check out. Um, but I, I personally, there's a lot, of, like I said, I'm not particular as far as it has to be this brand and this. You're very open on your. Yeah. So I want to go, I want to go and, and shoot some of the bows. And uh, I, I really want you, you know, because John has a much better understanding of, uh, you know, cam timing and, you know, how many twists to put in your yoke and uh, all of this sort of thing uh, to look at that new dart and bow uh, because of what they've done with their, their cam system and, and, yeah, and balancing I've, it. I haven't even, honestly, I haven't even looked at that. So I, mean, I, I want to go and check that out. That's a, the Darton uh, Spectra E is the bow, but then there's a couple other companies um, that I, I had just, stumbled upon i guess um but i'm pretty interested in their stories like new breed have you heard of their bows no I that's a guy i think they're out of alabama or down south somewhere but it was a guy that just started building bows in his garage he started like they started either like casting or machining his own risers and then putting different limbs on them and just messing with the different cams and stuff like that and then whether he got popular enough or just decided that he was going to go for it, but started building bows. And uh, so, I mean, it's stories like that that I think are pretty cool because it's just like, you know, you don't have to be, you know. You don't have to be Hoyt. Yeah, you just you said, this is what I want to do, and to have the ability to, to go ahead and just say, all right. And then there's the obsession, right. you know, with that whole thing where, you know, that guy, I'm in the – pharmacy industry he was a pharmacist also and uh, just decided that he was gonna start making bows bows. and uh that's what he did and then their first year he like fell out of a tree stand and broke his back 
And so they weren't going to be able to do anything. And Kevin Struther heard about them and just said, hey, I'll help you with next year's bow. So he designed all their bows for like their second year. And then they just kind of took off from there. Right. And uh, some of those bows are ridiculous. They're pretty radical, but I've not shot one. Um, so I'd like to go shoot some of those. And just right. to be able to see, you read about all these companies and, you know, you hear their stories and things that are made in the USA, things that are, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm bad at that because I'm shooting a bear and they're not made in the U.S. But, again, being the frugal guy that I am, before I was even looking at flagship bows or anything like that, bear was making really good products, I, I guess, at a much different price point. I mean, they didn't have a flagship bow, I think, until the arena series came out. They didn't have, you know, $1,000 bows. They, right. were, they were making five or $600 bows that were, you know, shooting just as well. And I didn't understand, like, why in the world you would need, you right. know. A $1,000 bow. Or $3,000 bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, like, <clears throat> when, uh, this goes way back, but I have a long draw. I have, you know, like, I shoot 31, 31 and a half inch draw. And so, I mean, for a long time, I was just, I would shoot a short bow, you know, and then I remember Matthews come out and, uh, Matthews come out the year they come out with a Z max. And that was like, I mean, the thing weighed three and a quarter pounds and it was super fast, you know, at the time for a single cam. And I was like dead set. I have to have that bow. And so I, we went up to Jay's sporting goods and, uh, which is up in Claire and, we did everything we could to that bow. You know, we took it down, we twisted the cables off, we, you know, and it just was too short. And finally the guy's like, I know you're dead set on this bow. He goes, but how about, how about try this one? And it was the Feather Max. Same cams and limbs, but it had the, you know, the less radical riser. And that thing went all the way up to 32 inch draw. So that's what I shot for years up till the, uh, Matthews Q2 XL came out and so like so I finally when that came out I bought that one and then it took you know quite a while for another you know I kind of I fell out of the game for a while obviously I had you know four kids and you know working full-time and I was building houses and doing that stuff so you know the bow hunting and archery kind of got put off to the side for a while but then you know I think I was our first trip to Ohio, I was still shooting that Q2XL, and uh, I killed that, oh, that little nine point or whatever you want to call it. It's mainframe nine ten with that, but then, but then that's when my brother Dan, who's the freaking you know the beast of bow hunter, not not I, not, 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 Dan not, not Dan in fault. He's the real beast, but no, my brother I guess call him the beast of Michigan, but. Because he's killed a lot of deer, and he was, you know, he's a machine. But anyway, those guys were shooting the new Bowtex, and he's like, you should try out the CPXL. I think that's what it was called. But anyway, they didn't, that was the year they, uh, they, had, they sold out. And so then they were switching over, and so. Is that when all the limbs were folded? No, they, they discontinued that model, which they, they ended up coming out with the Bowtex Boss. And so that's when I ordered that one. And I got it, and, you know, that was 
that was a long draw bow. It was a pretty high let off. It shot well, super fast, but I shot one season with it. I mean, I shot that last year and uh, for our leagues. Ended up, you know, luckily getting the, the high aggregate for the year with that bow, but it was just so temperamental for me anyway. Like, you do anything with your wrist, and that bow just seemed to twist real super. Well, what's funny about that is that he sold that bow to my brother, who also has a really long draw, and uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> have him on here to tell his story. They went out west, and he missed a booner, <laughs> and uh, it's probably now going to be the bow's fault. <laughs> Therefore, it's going to be John's fault. No, yeah, I told him. That's why I was like, I want him to shoot it. You know, I mean, it's it's a great bow. There's a lot of guys that love that bow, but uh, just for me, that little bit. But you know how I am. I'm super picky about how things are. You know, like I'm a half inch off to the left, and it's like, you know, nah. I got to buy a $400 sight because <laughs> I think this other sight is going <laughs> to no. make it just a no. little bit better. Yeah, I might say that sometimes, but no. <clears throat> I don't want to blame it on the equipment. That's the thing, you know, so. But yeah, so I ended up, I switched over to the Hoyt. I think that's probably had a lot to do with Dudley. <laughs> so Yeah, so I think, you know, this is a pretty good introduction to who we, we are and, and kind of what, what we've got going on. I think uh, we're at about 40 minutes right, right. here. So I think we're going to try and keep them right around 45 minutes to an hour, depending on uh, what we've what we've got to talk about or what, the things we've got going on. Um like I said, going forward, you know, we're looking at ATA. Which is next week. Next week. Uh, yeah, next, yeah, next week. Thursday. We leave Thursday for ATA, which is going to be which is going to be awesome. I have basically zero expectations um, other than just to be able to see the people walking around that, right. uh, that you see on TV. Um, but we've also, we're also going to do at least a total archery challenge here in Michigan. Yep. Uh, John shooting for Montana. Um, you're putting in for Montana big game. Like yep, that. we're going to put in for the combo tags, so hopefully elk, mule deer, or whitetail. And I'd like to do an antelope also, but that's kind of pushing. I've never been out there and hunted. So, um, But Eddie, the guy, our friend out there, he's, he's originally from, well, he's from here, moved out west, lived in Montana, Went down, then he lived in Colorado, and he killed a couple of really nice bulls in Colorado. And uh, then now he, about a year ago or so, he moved up to Bozeman. So hopefully we can set get it all set up. You know, I mean, they've had a pretty open uh, on the draws. Pretty much if you put in on the general, you uh, get your tags. So hopefully that works out. Yeah, logistically for me, I don't think this year elk hunts in my uh, future, but I'm planning on 2019. Um, I guess depending on how John's Montana hunt goes, um, you know, that may be an option. But I'm looking really hard at Idaho. Um, I know some guys that have hunted out in Idaho and uh, have had success as over-the-counter. And uh, I've got a good buddy of mine that I'm going to bring on here who's uh, been successful a couple different times um, in Colorado, DIY, no outfit or no anything. Um, and I, th I think pretty safe to say that that's kind of, we're on the same page with that as far as not that 
you couldn't save up all your money and spend $5,000 to go out there. Uh, but I just think there's a lot more, it's a lot more personal if you're going out there and you're doing all the work yourself right. and you're not telling, you know, someone's not telling you what to do. And I think I was thinking about a lot about this, you know, when I wanted to discuss it was, you know, I went down, we've been down to Ohio, do it yourself. And I want to get your brother on to talk about, you know, I mean, how he looks at land and, and things like that. But the first year when John went down and he killed that buck right there, the first day or second day, kind of yeah. kicking himself for it. But we had no idea as far as like what we right. what to expect. The quality of animals. Um, they met a guy in a bar uh, <laughs> talking about squirrel hunting who put us on this piece of property. They went down there, hunted it, saw a bunch of deer, but they were tagged out for, for bucks. So um, I hunted it that day. I saw five different bucks, um, had an opportunity, just didn't pan out on a really nice 10, uh, probably 130-inch 10-point, had them at 50 yards behind this bush, and uh, just a couple more steps, and it was going to be done, and then a hot doe came through and busted out of there. And uh, next year, almost to the day, <laughs> um, we we went down there, you know, bonsai overnight, no sleep. I was in the tree 15 minutes. I killed 150 inch 10. Uh, we were tired and recovered them the next day. Crazy story. We'll get into that some other time. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a whole whole podcast there. But <clears throat> it, that almost to me doesn't feel as good as uh, you know one of the deer that I've a little six pointer or something that I've killed on my own going out there and you look at it just on your own. I mean, cause right. you guys found that and you know, that's PJ killed a, you know, really nice buck in that exact same tree in 15 minutes that, uh, yeah. this year. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it just kind of feels it all that, even that almost feels like cheating, you know, <laughs> it's like when something comes together, when you read the sign right. and you look at it, and you have more stake in the game at that point. So, you... yeah. So, so I, going out and doing it yourself you know i i was thinking about it too is like who would i like to see at ata like if you could hunt with one person or like whatever like for me i think it would be like where i would pay to hunt would be at mountain west with Remy warren oh and, uh, okay. he's going to be hunting i think in hawaii or somewhere they, they scheduled it so that they didn't have to go to ata or shot i think really? is what i heard on timbernet's podcast but we've got a lot of stuff coming up this year and hopefully we're going to have some good things to talk about him switching over my style of hunting to run and gun. So be going over, you know, what I'm doing there. And I'm sure John's going to build 12 more bows. And... Well, hopefully uh, get some, I would definitely like to get, I mean, going out to Colorado or going out to Montana. I mean, this bow here, I love it. But like what you said, it just I weighed it. It was 7.2 pounds, which is going to be a lot for carrying in the elk country. So be nice to get one of the new rx ultras maybe shave a couple pounds or or one but <laughs> but yeah and build some strings and you know that's all that like i said it's i'm a huge john dudley fan so i learned a ton i mean i've always built my own stuff and built my own arrows and it's funny now we're running long but uh i remember build my arrows you know and we the old aluminum arrows you'd have to scrub them my dad would be like get the comet cleanser and you'd scrub them down you know get any kind of oil then 
back then the glues were like terrible. Like I remember they had the old Fletch tight and it was crap. You'd shoot and I swear the Fletchings would fly off, you know. So we'd go to the hardware store and get 3M super strength adhesive and glue those up and they would, you couldn't pull them off of pliers, you know. But, but back to the meaning of this story was I would, you know, build my arrows and I'd take the glue and put it on the, you know, the tip and the tail and I'm watching John Dudley's video on building arrows and he's, you know, tip to tail. And then he actually talked about how they used to scrub the arrows with cleanser. And it's like, you know, but then I've, you know, you, he's got so much freaking information. You know, I just started building strings this year because he was talking about he used to use winner's choice. Well, then it, I don't know, something happened. The quality kind of went down. So he's talking about, well, I think I'm just going to start building my own strings. So I started looking into it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start building my own string. So it's, I mean, that's my first, well, that's actually the second set on that bow. There's a couple hanging there. But uh, I'm going to start getting into the building it, you know, building them, maybe even production or something if I get a different setup. But that's another thing I want to look at ATA is specialty archery equipment. They're going to do a seminar on building strings with their, uh, not sure which one it is they have the basically stepper motors that spin it and put your serving on like that so but yeah good deal yeah and if anybody's stuck with us this long and uh, you got any <laughs> questions or um you got anything that you want to you know that you saw that was at ata and you know by the time this gets out um you know it would probably be already done but if we saw it or if we talked to anybody down there regarding uh anything you got any questions about uh feel free to get us uh get a hold of us either through youtube or facebook this or... is definitely going to be like i would say most of the people that hunt you know like a lot of the guys out there bow hunting this is going to be you know we we are you you know <laughs> you guys we're just your average bow hunters and we're going to go out and put some new stuff to work. Or and we're just really, you know, fortunate. You know, we've got, we've got some time, we've got some, some assets. We're not hunting for our food, every meal, um, you right. know, so we, we have some, you know, John's building strings and right. <laughs> buying a new bow every year, you know, <laughs> just like the, just like uh, most of you guys are. So, this is just going to be the regular guys talking about regular hunting stuff. Right. I, you know, it cost me, you know, a couple hundred bucks to get started for the strings, but I, you know, I'm looking at a set of strings for my bow and they're 170 bucks. Well, I can't afford that. But now that I got my jig set up, I can tinker around and, you know, you can spend, you know, 30 bucks for, well, 36 bucks, I think for, for a quarter pound or you know 60 bucks and you can get oh at least probably 10 strings you know if you do it right but but anyway yeah it, it's more it's going to be more economical in the long run if i'm you know if building strings for art you know for indoor target or you know if you're switching stuff up it's just if you have any kind of you know ability at all you can build a string you're not even ability just some time and you know maybe someone that you know can weld some shit 
you know, fabricate up a jig. I just made that one out of some stuff I got at the hardware store. You know, you can buy some for a couple hundred bucks, but I got all my equipment, you know, all the supplies and stuff for a couple hundred. So, so I think uh, basically what you're saying is we're just we're just your average average bow hunters with an above average uh, <laughs> interest interest <laughs> in archery and bow hunting. Right. So uh, it's going to be all all season thing. You know, now we're in indoor. And then hopefully we'll be shooting some more. I'd like to definitely get into do some more uh, 3D outside stuff. And then, you know, then, like I said, the Total Archery Challenge, which that's going to be in June. So that'll actually pretty much start off. The, we got off. we got turkey season before that. Yeah, turkey so. season. So, so that'll be. We don't just chase whitetails. <laughs> Turkeys. Turkeys, squirrels, chipmunks. Fish. <laughs> Fish. <laughs> All so, right. Well, right. thanks. Uh, this is uh, going to be will be the end of the first Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. All Thanks right. for listening. See ya. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm the there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.